Robert Jan, good afternoon. Alon, hello, how are you? Good to see you, buddy. We want like to do our internal joke huh, that we always say when we speak to each other. They'll they'll really think we're weirdos. Yes. How's everything? Good. And with you? Very good. Thank you very much. Good. Are you at uh, Fratello HQ in the Netherlands? Yes, we have a HQ in The Hague in the Netherlands and uh, I have my own uh, office. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm now, basically. Good to see you. Good to see you, buddy. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, things are gearing up. I know you have been uh, traveling a bit more. Uh, the team is growing, so you're yeah. you're turning into a entrepreneurial manager, huh? Yeah, I would say unfortunately, but I have to say I also like it. It's uh, turning into a business, and that requires a bit of uh, different uh, attention points. But um, I don't like to be a manager of people, but I like to manage a business. Yes. But uh, between us, this rub nut is difficult to handle, isn't he? He's in that case. Yeah. <laughs> I'm lucky to have him on the show on the 1st of October. So, guys, we're doing a two-fold Fratello Watches session on the ACE list. Thank you for all the viewers for watching. Um, Robert Jambu is not only uh, a friend, a longtime friend, early 2000s. He's the founder of uh, Fratello Watches, and he can explain why this is called Fratello. Please uh, introduce yourself, uh, Robert Jan, yes. and explain to us uh, why you started Fratello. Okay, I am uh, Robert Jan or RJ. Um, uh, I founded Fratello in 2004, and Fratello means uh, it's Italian. It means brother, and that's basically my last name in Dutch. Broer means brother, but uh, broer. Um, I think it's only pronounced as broer in the Netherlands. And I think if English people would see it and read it, they would they would they would say broer or something. And in Germany, it's broer. So it, the Pronunciation is uh, different everywhere, and I thought Fratello, it's the, the same sound, same pronunciation everywhere. Um, let's use that. But we have grown quite a bit, like you said. We are, we are with, uh, I think, 13 uh, people at the, at the moment. Um, so it should be Fratelli, plural. But we also have some ladies on board. So, yeah, that makes it more difficult. But so we stick with, uh, with Fratello. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for... Uh the intro. I will want to dive in uh, why you started uh, the nowadays online magazine. I don't think we, we're calling it a blog does it justice anymore. No. But before we do the seven personal DSS questions, we obviously yes. have to do our, it became a tradition now because this is the sixth okay. episode already, the wrist check. What are you wearing today, Robert Jan, from your vast collection? Very uh, surprising, perhaps, and I just showed another watch on my uh, my Instagram feed. But actually, from this morning on, I've been wearing this. Ooh. It's the Speedmaster Caliber three two one, and um, as you know, Alon, uh, you you follow me on Instagram. I wear my gold Speedmaster very often. It's a bit of my uh, bit snobbish to say, perhaps, but it's a bit of my daily beater. <laughs> Why is it snobbish? Why is it meant with, to be? With, yeah, which of course a bit of nonsense, of course, but uh, yeah, it has become my one of my daily favorites, the gold one. And since I picked up this uh, caliber three two one uh, early July, um, I think it has been my the watch that I wore the most uh, last summer. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, the bracelet is is awesome. It's uh, more or less the same bracelet as the Apollo eleven from last year. The but all the the fun, of course, is in the in the caliber three two one which is a historical uh, movement that was discontinued in 68 that they uh, yeah redid again 
And I've been to the workshop where they create these uh, watches and movements, and uh, it's pretty awesome. So I'm really proud to have this uh, this watch um, on my wrist. Yes. Well, we we already we had some questions come in from uh, viewers that couldn't join live into the session, and one of them is about that. So we'll jump into that later. Mm -hmm. I also want to ask you later why its nickname is Ed White, but we'll jump into that. And I want to ask you before I forget. I know you had vintage three two one calibers in your collection, like I do. Yep. How that compares in look and feel, and when you click the pushers, but we'll do that later. So especially for you, I changed my background. Obviously, a uh, very good. Speedy, speedy, and um, like you, I also have uh, a few Speedmasters in my private collection. So I racked my brain which one to wear. I was thinking of wearing my two watches my wife gave me for the birth of our children, and which she engraved with their names and dates. But I had to honor you. Very I, good. Speedy Tuesday one and two. Very nice. You deserve it. I'm proud of you that you guys got this off the ground. We got bombarded with the question. Number when three, three coming. So let's just let's just <laughs> throw it in. Let's get it over with. Okay, Can I will try to. A hint, a scoop, something. Is there number three coming? There will be a number three. Uh, it's not this year, as I've uh, indicated uh, in the past. Uh, this year, uh, there will be another big release with uh, Omega uh, October fifth, uh, Snoopy. Um, but I have very good hopes that we will see something very nice uh, next year. But it's all under discussion. Um, not only if there's uh, going to be uh, one next year, but also already on design, all those kind of things we uh, we uh, we keep discussing with uh, Omega. But um, um, you have to understand, Omega produces a lot of watches per year, so this is just a, a small thing. But it, on the other hand, it's also a huge project, important project. And if we do it, if we do a ST3, it should be done right. So we need to allocate a proper amount of time and energy and capacity that's also needed from their side to to spend on a on a third speedy tuesday watch yeah awesome so we're super excited for maybe a fun story to tell um omega was one of the first to adopt a system from the sneaker world you and i love sneakers in the sneaker world you have a concept called quick strike so they secretly drop a launch of a product and when you snooze, you lose. You can't buy them. Yep. So you guys did that on the first Speedy Tuesday, which we're seeing in the, in the display. I'm wearing it on a leather yep. strap today. Very so good. I snoozed on that one. The yeah. first thing I did I is I Robert the text message, dude, can you hook me up? He couldn't. And they're trans Omega's transparent about it. You guys at Fratello or the Fratelli are transparent about it. Uh, first come, first serve. Yep. A beautiful system of working brand, you guys and the retailers. So when you got one allocated, you could choose your preferred retailer, including Ace. We had the honor to uh, deliver over a dozen, I believe, mm -hmm. but none was mine. And the funny thing is, I bought both aftermarket. And you can imagine for me as a retailer, you really got to love a watch to buy it aftermarket. True. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's that's the risk check for today, especially for you. My birthday gift for my parents is a uh, tie. Space tie. Uh, space tie. So I did that for you. So that's how happy I am you're on the show. So thank Very you. Very cool. Buddy. Very good to hear. I'm also happy to be on your show because we, we know each other for a long time. Yeah, we go way back. We share the uh, hardcore passion for watches, for marketing. We brainstormed. We actually worked a lot together. So... Always a true pleasure. I was actually 
happy that our mutual friend Gera joined the team. Rob joined the team. So yeah. uh, let's well, we say short, zoekt sort, huh? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And we have some cool things in the pipeline together. Rob uh, did the little spoiler alert, didn't he, in one of the first episodes with Bremont? Don't know if you caught that. No, no, I haven't seen it. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So everyone, you should uh, look at the first episode of the Ace List on theacelist.com. Um, shall we do the first uh, seven questions from the Ace List? Yes, I prepared them uh, for you this morning. Okay, good. Um, so I have them on my other screen, so I'm a bit looking up to the to the answers. Um, good. So I want to do it right. I don't want to shoot from the hips. I want to do to give it some thought and to to really answer your questions in an appropriate uh, way. I appreciate that. I appreciate and then, that. And I'm uh, before you think I'm uh, a nutcase. I'm reading them out loud because we afterwards host this episode as audio only podcast. Yeah. So that's why I read out all the questions, although you can see them on the screen. So yep. our first question is: What watch or jewel is your favorite, and why? Well, I I only wear one jewel, and it's a wedding ring. And I bought it at Ace Jewelers um, in two thousand nine. And um, so wearing it here, platinum uh, ring, because that went better with steel watches, as you said. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Advice. And uh, I have two little diamonds uh, on the inside, uh, also on your advice, I believe. And um, uh, my wife has a ring with uh, diamonds, of course, on the outside. I mean, that's, yeah, she has two, I guess. Um, but uh, to answer your question, uh, we are here for watches, not uh, not not jewels. Um, what watch is your favorite and why? Uh, it's the Omega Speedmaster. Um, well, not a big surprise there. But it was my first uh, serious mechanical watch um, from a brand that has been in my family for a long, long time. Um, not only my grandparents, but also my great-grandfather uh, had an Omega watch, uh, a Constellation pipe pen from the 60s. Um, so it, the, the brand has a special meaning for me. It, has, uh, it goes back into the family. But um, with regards to the Speedmaster, I was the first in the family to buy a Speedmaster. And... Um, for me, it was a matter of aesthetics. I fell in love with the aesthetics of the watch. A very clean dial, a very readable chronograph. So almost a bit uh, uh, specifications-wise, I went through a list of watches, and the Speedmaster was uh, on top. Um, it looks very good on a bracelet, but also on a strap. So there, there you also have a bit of, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a versatile uh, uh, watch. You can wear it uh, a bit dressed up like like you are today or like me in a polo shirt how i'm uh, most of the time um and then of course there's the role of the watch during the space race in the in the 60s and being the first watch worn on the moon um I've, I've told this often but my my father always told me omega was the first brand that put a watch on the on the moon and that didn't mean much to me when i was younger and i didn't know what exactly what what watch that was uh, at the time and later on i learned it was a speedmaster um, and there's no better testimonial uh, than that story. And it's not a, some made-up bullshit story that you see a lot in the watch industry. Um, we, we see that uh, a lot these days, unfortunately. Uh, on the other hand, there's nothing wrong with a good story, made up or, or real. But uh, I think this is just the best story there is uh, when it comes to watches. I agree. Yeah. You, it's, it's that crazy. You can't even make it up back in the day. I'm talking in the 60s, so... Exactly, exactly. So, uh, 
yeah that, that, uh, that's my favorite uh, watch and I have other watches many people ask me are you a one brand guy are you a mono brand collector like my friend uh, George Kramer he's very much Cartier focused of course I'm very much Omega focused but on Fratello we cover any brand or every brand that interests us and I, I have my share of other other watches as well here on my desk is uh, I also bought it from Ace at some point uh, a G-Shock I have a Grand Seiko in my uh, my bag with me so yeah, I, 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 I'm a watch lover, so I, I purchase my swatches sometimes. I purchase watches I really want to wear. But if I look at what I really collect, that's Speedmasters. Awesome. I'm deviating a bit, but it's actually interesting that you raised that topic. What is it that makes you a watch freak? Why do you love watches so much? And like us, and that's why we click, we're not watch snobs. So we don't care about the value or if somebody else has it or doesn't has it. And and like me, you also have G-Shocks, which are digital. Uh, I think we mutually love an X33. So I, at some point I had so many of these at one point that <laughs> didn't make sense anymore. Yeah, so, so what does it literally, no pun intended, that makes you tick? So when did you get infected with that bug? As a kid. And I have no background like you in a, in a, a family of, of jewelers and uh, sometimes a bit jealous about that. But there's no, my dad loved watches, but not like I do. I love watches. He knows his watch. He knew Omega. He knew, in the end, he knew Speedmasters. But they, they, my parents never really cared about it or spent money on these things. And for me, it was a very... Uh, authentic thing basically as a kid I loved Casios I loved the the, the the swatch watches when they were there in the 80s uh, I'm from 77 um, as a kid I also loved these camel trophy watches just yeah. by the looks they were tough looking they looked good so it was very much aesthetic driven and yeah it was something perhaps that you always carry with you you could spend money on something that you would just always carry with you and that's yeah. So you always enjoy something that you that you spend money on, and I think that's uh, that, that's yeah. And and I think the concept of time is interesting, but that doesn't ring a bell when, when you're a kid. That doesn't make sense. But I also remember that um, I lived in a, like a middle class uh, uh, area, and um, our neighbors they uh, they uh, they. Uh, um, they were just the same as us, just middle class. And and at some point, our neighbor, he, he came up to my parents and I was standing outside as well. I remember exactly the, 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 the place and the moment. And he said, oh, listen, I bought this new watch and I'm super happy with it. And uh, and it was a Seiko watch, Quartz, uh, I realized later on. And it had a, like a calendar and a moon face. And he was explaining all these functions. And I was really, oh, that's so cool. And um, <laughs> so I was really interested in that this was in a watch and that a watch could have all these this functionality and whether it was mechanic or quads that didn't mean much to me being a kid this is this is mid 80s somewhere yeah. so yeah yeah interesting that's, that's that's cool to hear and um i'll jump in a bonus question i'm just deviating i don't care um the passion for the old school constellations what was the seed for that yeah, that, that that's family driven. So my my uh, uh, my grandparents they uh, they had uh, constellations. Uh, well, my, my my grandfather had a constellation. My grandmother had a lady Matic, which she later on traded in for a handwound Omega ladies watch because the automatic movement in the lady Matic was so small 
And sometimes <laughs> it just stopped because I don't know, it was it didn't work that well at, at that point. It's not really an advertisement here, but it is what it is. Um, so they were, I, I remember them wearing these gold watches. My grandfather had this constellation with this crazy gold bracelet. Um, originally it came on a, on a mesh or a, a Milanese uh, gold bracelet, but uh, the Milanese bracelet on the sides, it would it would um, uh, damage the shirts because at yeah. some point it became a bit sharp and, and so on. So it damaged all his, uh, his shirts. So he, he traded it in for a, like a custom-made uh, gold bracelet. And that's what I remember him for. And uh, my grandmother had this very small ladies uh, Omega watch also with this mesh uh, bracelet like, like that, but then smaller, of course. And both watches are still in the family. Um, I have the, the constellation of my grandfather when he passed away. Um, I, I got it from my dad uh, with Christmas. And uh, it's also the time that I wear it. I wear it with Christmas. I wear it on, on this crazy gold bracelet. And it's, uh, it gives a special feeling. Yeah, amazing, so, isn't it? That's the constellation for me. And when I, um, my first serious watch was uh, in 1998, I got a constellation for my uh, graduation. And uh, my mom gave it to me, and she also bought one for herself and uh, to, to pair it up a bit. And um, interesting is that I really wanted to have that watch. At that time, from mid-90s, I was getting really interested in more, more high-end watches. And um, the Constellation for me was just the best out there, and I was so in love with that watch. And, and I went when I went to the... Uh, to, went to this school, uh, MTS, I don't know, the English uh, <laughs> trade school or something. Um, we went to 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 in in our uh, breaks. We went to the city center. We go. We went to uh, to uh, to retailers. I think it was Cooling or Quackerbaum. I don't know. There in Hengelo, in Enschede, they uh, were Omega dealer. And so I would get these these brochures, the white brochures from the mid nineties with uh, Piers Brosnan inside and Cindy Crawford and so on. And the constellation was for me a beautiful watch with an integrated bracelet, gold steel, super yeah. nice. And I was not influenced by influencers or by Instagram or internet or whatsoever. None of that all. It was just for my own intrinsic uh, interest. I fancied Cindy Crawford though, with the my choice. Yeah, as well. And <laughs> um, <laughs> But I really love that watch. And I think now, today, if I would be 20 or 21 and interested in watches, you go online, you look up watches, you go to websites like Fratello or Hodinki or uh, Ace Jewelers. And then I don't think the constellation would be on my number top three list. It would be a Speedmaster or a Seamaster, but at that time, for me, that it was the constellation, a bit driven by family, but also by by its looks. And uh, I know that it's not the most popular uh, watch in the Omega collection, but you know this perhaps better than than I do. Um, but I love that watch. Yeah. On topic, it's only the first question. We're deviating a lot, but I think they 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 hit the nail on the head with the new male the female version which is called manhattan and yeah. now we i think got rid of the manhattan part but the new men's integrated bracelet steel on steel i think it's very contemporary very now today we see a trend of integrated bracelet watches yeah more than and ever dal and i had actually a discussion about that it's that it's beautiful and so we said it surprisingly and we actually said it's og integrated bracelet i mean yeah. uh, um, and, and and our friend Genta had something to do with it, right? So, um, well, I, I, it's um, it's interesting. I uh, I um, 
I'm not super uh, trans or transparent. I'm not super open about it, but I also collect a little bit of constellations. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a few pipe and constellations and from the 70s, but I also have that first Manhattan from 82 with box and papers and everything there. And it's so incredibly flat. Uh, yeah. the, the, it's so nice. It's very small. It's 32.5, but I, I wear it. I'm a tall guy, uh, but I really it's more like a bracelet. Yeah, yeah. we're super nice and the new ones is really a proper watch it's it's thir either 39 or 40 and 41 and i think it's also 36 yeah. but the new version is so nice it's so better than the previous one so much better because yeah. the bracelet has these 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 facets on the on the on the sides and the, and the case is a bit more uh, worked on and uh, it's still a bit of a thick watch but in the end that doesn't matter that much i think and it has a super nice movement it's really, really a nice watch, and it deserves a bit more credit than it gets. Basically, I totally uh, agree. I think, I think the, the the luxury problem Omega has, they have such an amazing collection and pipeline of novelties that there are not enough months in a year to do all the launches. Yeah, you have to properly push it, and I, I think sure. uh, a perfect example is the Globemaster that I uh, that I really like. It's their. Uh, oh, I have to move that way. It's there. It's the yeah. the banner with the Globemaster. I love it so much, and it was introduced in 2015. But there was so much focus on the the, the silver Snoopy at the time and James Bond at the time that this was a bit undersnowed. Um, but I really like that watch, and perhaps the name Globemaster didn't do it justice. Uh, it should have been Constellation. But in the end, I think that watch is a lot of bang for the buck. I totally agree. And the funny thing is a funny anecdote. I thought it would attract an older target group. We sold it majority of the early millennials so the first generation of millennials mm -hmm. they loved it they loved the fluted bezel yeah but it had that contemporary sleek bracelet so that actually did very well and uh, I, I i totally agree with you i think this model is very understated and undervalued in perception including the new tresor devils that yeah. came in steel amazing yeah. that, you also get a lot of bang for yeah. okay we're deviating Question two, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yes, <laughs> I can be very short about that. <laughs> Astronaut. <laughs> well, no, 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 not, not at all. Somehow, uh, unlike my friends in uh, elementary school, because that's what we're talking about, uh, I guess, when you're really a kid. Uh, my friends all want to become police officers or working for the fire brigade or doctors, if you were clever, I don't know. Um, but I was in between, believe it or not, becoming a comic book artist okay. or uh, archaeologist. Uh, okay. cool. I really like history. I really liked people digging in the, in the, in the ground, finding things. And uh, But in the end, uh, I became neither of those things. Uh, um, yeah. So, yeah. That, but as a kid, as a kid, I was really interested in, in comics. And I, I could draw quite well, actually. Sometimes um, I draw for my daughter. Um, and she, re yeah, she really likes it, and she really uh, is your your hidden name, Turn. No, but no, Turn is really good. I'm not near yeah. the, the qualities of Turn. But, but here's uh, my challenge: we want to see a post with a drawing by RJ on FratelloWatches.com. I will, uh, I will try. I will try to come up with a with a nice drawing at some point. Right. I need to have some. The problem is, I'm not uh, uh, as um, artistic as 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 Turn is or the other drawers. 
Um, so often for me, when I grew up, I just draw cartoons. Uh, I, I read uh, uh, Tintin, uh, Lucky Luke, uh, Suske and Wiske, Bob and Bobette. So, and, and, and Disney, of course. So I, 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 I tried to draw the same, but I didn't have the ideas to come up with my own character or... or but I really enjoyed uh, drawing a lot, and um, yeah, and I liked history. And sometimes I, later on, I I, I had my studies in uh, information management and information technology, and later on uh, IT auditing. So very different areas. But uh, often the discussion with my uh, my house uh, mates or students was, uh, would you choose something else if you had the choice again? And that's a stupid question because you don't have this choice. Uh, uh, so, but in the end, it's nice to 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 think about and to discuss. And often, I replied, "I think I would study history if I could do it all over again." Yeah. And can I say something though? You actually are kind of doing both. You designed the watch too, third in the pipeline, <laughs> kind of drawing, and your comics. Here is a comic for you. True. True. So I now understand where it comes from that passion for comics and two i guess anybody who loves ancient watch brands they're not ancient but old watch brands and especially if you like vintage watches or anything vintage because like yeah me, there's an interest in the industry yeah sure i yeah. remember that clock the, that radio you posted that your dad had at home remember that picture of that radio yeah i saw that on instagram i'm like oh wow and it's just that old stuff and you want to know how it works and how cool that they made it. Yeah. You're True. kind of an archaeologist of watches. I mean, so you kind of combine... Uh... Yeah, probably if you, it's a very creative way of uh, bringing it all together. But uh, as a kid, that was not my uh, <laughs> well, not my idea of it. But perhaps it, these could be ingredients for what, I, what I'm doing today. Could be, yeah. 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 So being a kid and now today, who were or are your role models back then or now um i had the questions up front of course um and it's it, it is now so not in the past so I, i'll stick to now um i can pretend to be very cool and say uh, steve mcqueen is my uh, role model but it's not uh, i couldn't care less to be honest um these guys and i see a lot of people ask oh, steve mcqueen uh, james bond is a fictional character of course or paul newman or whoever I can I can imagine that that might be a role model to some people, but these guys they are always or were always in a certain role, and I don't know these people. I don't know how they are, how they have lived, how they were thinking. Um, so to be honest, I don't give a crap about those type of of role models. Uh, I couldn't care less about how they dressed, uh, what watch they had on their wrist, uh, what car they drove. Doesn't mean much to me, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, they just did their job and they did it in the proper way, uh, acting in the case of uh, Steve McQueen. And of course, he was kind of cool. Um, but in the end, my role model is my own dad, uh, perhaps like, like you, if I see your post. Uh, that um, He's one of the smartest people I know. Um, most genuine, honest, funny. So for me, that is super important. He's my role model and uh, looking at the future, if I look at role models, for me, it's super important um, how my daughter will remember me. Or So for me, it's super important to, to be that role model for my daughter so I can imagine that my dad had the same, or all dads perhaps have this. That's it. So my dad is my role model. That's the coolest um, role model that you can have, MB. Yeah, exactly. So, I you. so 
So yeah, I'm not cool. I'm not uh, eh? Steve McQueen is not my role model or James Bond or whoever. Um, it is what you it know is. Why you are, Jay, because you have your style and you're you, and you do what's cool, and that's why we think you're the coolest online magazine there is. Because you guys give your opinion, and you True. don't let yourself dictate it. And yeah. for those that didn't see the people behind the blog or the magazine, now you see it. No BS. What you see is what you get. True. And you speak your mind, and yeah. that's very dutch as well but that's why you're cool yeah perhaps it's uh we are very uh nuchter, we are very down to earth i think yeah. that goes for dutch people and that's also how i like to run fratello and run the show basically there's i don't like the the bullshit stories and the things and of course i know it's attractive um uh, for a lot of people a lot of brands a lot of uh, titles but um yeah it's not how i want to be and you literally you guys call bullshit in yes what we do See. Sometimes uh, more often uh, than we want. Uh, some readers say we should do it more, but um, yeah, in the end, of course, it's business for us as well. So you have to be careful. But if we can't really, if we can't really do otherwise, we have to say what it is. And and um, yeah. yeah, good, good for I you. Think that, that is also transparent for our readers. Yeah, good. Fourth question. Yes. Don't like uh, maybe hypotheses, hypothesis. If you could teleport tomorrow, where would you go? Um, I very much miss traveling. I traveled a lot uh, till the lockdown, March uh, 15, I think, in the Netherlands, Sunday evening, 6 o'clock, I believe. Um, uh, I traveled up till that week. The last trip was to Bulgaria uh, in Switzerland. And every other week I traveled from this year. And last year was uh, super crazy. Um, so I miss traveling. I miss it a lot. My Rimova suitcases feel very lonely. Um, <laughs> uh, but I have to say, I slowly start to travel again since uh, early July, back and forth to Switzerland, basically. I've been to France to uh, to to meet uh, Grand Seiko Europe, which is headquartered in, in France, or the new boutique. Um, but if I can teleport tomorrow, I would. it would either be the USA with my wife and daughter for a holiday. I really want to show the US to my daughter, go to... Disney, go to Universal. I think she would love it, and I love it as well to be there uh, as a holiday uh, for holidays, but also for business. Or Japan. I was there last October. I've been there uh, three times now. Uh, last October, I was there for a Speedy Tuesday uh, event, and we had to abort our mission. Um, <laughs> it was after the Speedy Tuesday event, but we 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 added some days there for uh, for holiday, basically, my wife and I, uh, because of the typhoon. Um, so we had to uh, abort it by a few days, and uh, but I really, really would love to go back. Cool. Awesome country and awesome people, and um, yeah, just amazing uh, to to be there. Yeah, I agree. I've been there once, and I uh, totally agree with you. Okay, thank you for sharing. Fifth question is: What book are you currently reading? Um, I am now reading a book. I just started, so don't uh, don't give me any uh, difficult questions. It's called Contagious. Okay. And the book is about why certain things catch on and why certain things don't. You're not talking about COVID, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's about, and perhaps uh, they should have used uh, Speedy Tuesday as an example in the book. Yeah. For me, it's very interesting to learn about why certain things are hyped, why certain things work, why and why other things don't, and they they miss. And a lot of times, uh, from what I, what I read now, it's about luck, but also um, 
about doing things very clever and building up tension um, and coming with out of the box ideas. Um, so very, very interesting, exactly that one. Um, but I have to say, it's one of the first books that I read about, um, um, yeah, for me, this is of course also a business part, so I want to learn from it. Normally, I read a lot of biographies, and um, uh, the last one that I finished was about Johan Cruyff. Yeah. Uh, I have nothing but with soccer or football, not absolutely nothing. Uh, I played soccer when I was seven years old. It was a disaster. After three weeks, uh, my dad uh, took me uh, off the, the soccer club. <laughs> no good. Um, but um, for me, it's very interesting. These, these biographies are for me very interesting. They're easy to digest. So when I'm in the plane or just before I go to sleep, I can read a few pages, very easy. But it also gives me an insight in how these often very successful people, like Johan Cruyff, take their decisions and uh, what these decisions lead to eventually. And that's yeah. for me, it's interesting to see their, their path during their lives, um, what they did and how they did it. And if it was successful or not, it's not super important, but it's just interesting to see how it works. Cool. I wanna ask you a question in the context to the first book, the Contagious book. I think we can conclude that Speedy Tuesday, which you created, and I, I want to ask you later how you came up with that idea, but I'll jump into it. I'll jump forward. Why do you think that it caught on that well? There's a question I often uh, often ask myself, and um, I see a lot of people or even brands trying to do the same. Mm -hmm. And after we went on with Speedy Tuesday and we had our first launch with the first watch uh, you were wearing, um, other brands contacted us and they said, can we do, uh, I don't know, uh, X brand uh, Thursday or X brand Friday? And I said, no. And I replied because it's not genuine. We, yeah. we, we collect Speedmasters. We write about Speedmasters. We live Speedmasters. Um, if it would not feel authentic if we do it with, with your brand or another brand, um, so I think authenticity is really important in this case, but of course, the model itself also helps because it's really a, a proper designed watch model. It has been there for over 60 years. There's a lot of variation. There's a lot of, it's a very sympathetic brand or, or watch basically. It's a, uh, it's um, collectors like it. There's always a story to it. If I see someone outside on the streets wearing a Rolex Submariner, I don't even try to ask about his or her watch. But if someone is wearing a Speedmaster, I go up there and ask about it because I know there's a story to it. Nobody ever bought a Speedmaster because they just saw it in the displays and thought it was a nice watch. There's always a specific reason. And that's that's to me makes it super interesting. And I think that's also the power a bit of, of Speedy Tuesday that it's super emotional. It's an emotional watch. It's, it has uh, often stories attached to it, uh, be it a, a space story, but also a family related or I don't know. It's um, I think so that's very important that there is uh, em emotion uh, attached to it. And um, I think Speedy Tuesday sounds really good. <laughs> no, since we're, on the topic, since we're on the topic and we're doing any, nothing by the book anymore, uh, the format of the show, why don't you please share how you came up with the idea? It's it's too simple to, it's almost too, ex too simple to believe, but I was on a holiday in, in France in 2012 
in uh, south of France and uh, with friends. Uh, we went there for two weeks, first week with friends, and the second week uh, they left, and we, my wife and I, decided to uh, to uh, to have an extra week in a, in a nice hotel in uh, in in Cannes. And um, there, I took on a Tuesday, I took a picture of my of my Speedmaster uh, on the wrist, and I took a picture and I put it on uh, in, on Facebook actually. Uh, there was this watch group called Wrist Shots or something, and, and it, it, it stopped and started again. I don't know if it's still alive. And I put it on there, and it said uh, Speedy Tuesday, uh, basically because the Speedmaster, we shortened it to Speedy, and uh, a Tuesday because it was a Tuesday. And that was it. And then as soon as I published it, I realized it's a super nice working title. So I used it to create content on Fratello watches to, to, to write stories about the Speedmaster, um, interview collectors and ask collectors about their Speedmasters and, and put it on Fratello watches. And in, in the beginning, it was just every, once every few weeks or every, uh, every other week. And at some point, we started to do it every single Tuesday because it really hit on. And I think at some point, and I don't know if that was 2012 already or 2013, we started to use the hashtag on Instagram as well. And then it really took off because people had a label. And that's how I see it. I don't see Speedy Tuesday per definition as the community, but it's a very easy to use tag that you can follow or search for on Instagram to find like-minded people, to find cool Speedmaster pictures or Speedmaster collectors. Uh, it's just a very cool label to, to use for everything Speedmaster. Yeah. and. Am I correct to say that this watch is the first ever watch to be produced with a hashtag on it? So Reynald Ashleman, I think, is one of the best watch CEOs out there. Great guy, real Omega guy. He has Omega running through his veins and uh, genuine watch fanatic. He he got on the bandwagon, right? Yes. Um, I met him, I think in Sochi or in Grand Montana, uh, where there were both Omega events. And um, he was not CEO yet, but um, I met him later on in 2015 during the introduction of the Globemaster. And he approached me and he said, what do you think of the new Globemaster? And uh, I said to him, I like it very much, but it was also the year for Snoopy. He said, but I really want to have a Snoopy. <laughs> so um, um, that's where we, we kind of, uh, start to 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 communicate with each other, and then uh, when he became CEO in 2016, uh, he said, "Yeah, we are following you, and we see what Speedy Tuesday does and uh, what it is." And I, he said, "I really like it, and um, um, it's genuine. Um, it, it attracts a lot of people who collect Speedmaster, Speedmasters who have Omega running through their veins, like you just said." And how can we collaborate together? How can we do something together? And that's when I said, "Well." Uh, and I think I literally said that we can do a T-shirt or a, a pin or a pen or a cap, but why not do a watch together? Why not create a watch, especially for the Speedy Tuesday community, uh, designed by fanatics of the Speedmaster for other fanatics of the Speedmaster? And that's when he said, "Okay, let's okay, let's sit together and and come up with something and uh, come up with a proposal, and uh, we take it from there." And that's how it went down. And Is I had no paper, though? It's Sorry? amazing. He asked you a question. He didn't tell you what to do. I no. think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And I think that we just found the answer to what I asked you in context of the book Contagious is what you said. It's a watch for Speedmaster lovers, made by Speedmaster lovers, facilitated by the brand. I think it's authentic. It's an authentic story. 
And I think you're being very modest that it's not a community, but in the end, I think it, it's, it is a community, right? And it's slowly becoming larger than life because it's basically a second brand you're running. Yeah, correct. Uh, that, that's true. Sometimes that also works a bit against us, but in the end, this is really what I love and uh, what I, so I don't care. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is. And um, um, he just asked us the question, and we and we we came up with uh, with uh, with the Speedy Tuesday one, which was a super interesting project because I knew nothing about uh, uh, producing a well from from for telewatches. Of course, I've been to manufacturers and so on, but being really part of the process from design to delivery and after sales service, that is something else. That's so really interesting to have these yeah. uh, these insights and now i also understand watch brands much much better than i ever did before because i know what it takes and they were so passionate all involved at omega for creating these two watches were so passionate um when we created the watch and there were some issues some sometimes with a dial or a hand or a case and i don't know what these things happen in production it's it, it is what happens so the the, the sub dials didn't loom enough or uh, i don't know what uh, and it's all terrible because if I spent that much money on a watch and it's not not 100% correct, I also get pissed off and I also get uh, angry and I vent my opinion. And But now I saw it from the other side and I saw how truly passionate these people are about, about watches uh, at, from the brand side that sometimes it, it hurt me actually that some people said, oh, what a lousy job because uh, one of the subdials doesn't, doesn't loom enough or whatever. And it's, oh, you just should have... You just should realize or know how much effort uh, they put into this and how how much they care actually. And I saw really, and perhaps I should not say this, but I saw Reynald Ashleman himself reaching out to to buyers of this watch to help them with a certain issue or make it uh, his own uh, responsibility to have things fixed. And I think. Why didn't you say that? I, I don't know because I'm not Omega. I don't want to be a spokesperson of Omega. So you're not a You're just sharing your passion. And experiences, and that's what makes him such a good guy. He's yeah, really and, and I think he's 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 really uh, uh, one of the best, or perhaps the best. Uh, I think he's the best CEO in, in in the watch industry. I don't know all of them, but I think he's the best. And um, and it's also because he's so responsible for what he does, and he's so involved and, and passionate about these things, and uh, is very much involved with the whole Speedy Tuesday thing. That um, yeah, super important. I concur. I, I also worked with him directly, and he invited me to do the grand ambassador. So I spent a whole week in Bien at HQ. Yeah, he's on, and 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 I've been to all the departments, and the passion is there. And because it's such an old and big company, it's difficult to radiate that passion to the outskirts of the world. Yeah, but uh, I totally agree with you. Um, listen, we're running out of time. I can oh, speak yeah, we have a question left. Yeah, we have questions left. We have uh, the, the questions of viewers are accumulating. We aim to do 45, max one hour. We really got to cap it. I'm going quickly to question six. What do you think is going to be the killer color of 2021? Well, it could be same as the killer of, two, of, of 2021. But um, that's a, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think we have colors to stay, like blue and green. They have been very popular. And I also think that they have a, a place, uh, their own rightful place to to stick there forever because they can be quite timeless mm -hmm. uh, we also had colors that belong to a certain era like brown we saw in recent years brown it's it's a bit uh, going away again uh, pink we saw 
long time ago salmon dials like the royal oak we saw some some other pink dials i see a lot of pastel colors now like we see with the oyster perpetual from uh, from uh, rolex for example i saw Oris doing a few pastel colors um but that doesn't work for me personally i have to say it's too a bit too soft uh, i would like to see more red mm -hmm. and you will see more red and that's the only thing i can say for now omega red you will see more red okay cool last question rhetorical question oh. obviously good to answer because you visited us what's your favorite memory besides visiting ace <laughs> besides visiting ace um i have to uh i i wrote something down here um Dude, of course memory well, Amsterdam is, uh, I am very often in Amsterdam, mainly for work, mainly for watches. It's uh, either for you or for, for brands that have their headquarters there of the, the local branch uh, office in Amsterdam or a PR office. A lot of PR offices from brands are also in Amsterdam. Um, but I also went to university in Amsterdam for my uh, postgraduate uh, degree in uh, from 2006 to 2008. I also had a girlfriend there way back when I was still a, a student uh, around 2000, so 20 years ago. Uh, but my fondest memory of Amsterdam was around that same time. I worked for a publishing house in Amsterdam and um, I really, really enjoyed it. It was uh, giving me insights in the publishing business, but it was, of course, a bit of an IT related job. But yeah, I really enjoyed working there and it was a very nice atmosphere and um, yeah. Funny, I didn't know that. So cool. I learned yeah. something today. Uh, I, I don't think it exists uh, anymore under that name, but it was Elsevier. Yeah, yeah. Well, famous name. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, so uh, under 15 minutes left, questions are coming in. Uh, I wanted to ask you what you did before Fatello. We'll skip that. They probably can read that on the website. Yeah. Maybe just quickly what sparked you to set up Fatello? Because you had a job, you yep. did it part-time, it became so big, you basically had to quit, right? Yeah, I had to quit. What were you doing? Uh, when, you I, when, I, when I, my last job, my real job, when I quit was in banking. Uh, I was a manager for an IT department uh, in banking, uh, in the banking industry. Um, I had nothing with banking, uh, no interest uh, whatsoever. Um, but that was a nice job. I was uh, uh, being promoted to vice president, so I was doing quite well, and it was uh, very nice, but it was also boring. And um, I thought by myself, I was 36 or 35 when I quit that job. I thought I can always return to this and uh, be under uh, 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 office lights, uh, artificial lights forever. But I also want to explore this whole watch thing. Fertella was taking off. Uh, I had this other business in uh, in, uh, in big data on uh, watch consumers. Uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, together with Chrono24, and we had some Google data. Chronolytics. Yeah, Chronolytics. And so th that gave me the opportunity to become full-time occupied in the watch industry. And I had to grab that chance. Otherwise, I would. Uh, I was very afraid to re regret that. Um, and I started uh, Fortello in 2004 as a hobby project, as a blog. I, I think it was one of the first blog about watches, actually. Um, I installed WordPress uh, 1.0 um, and uh, I just started blogging about watches before I was active on time zone, what you seek and so on. And I note I was very interesting, uh, but I noticed I saw the same questions coming over and over again. And I just wanted to share and to write about watches. I want to, to be more in the, in the writing uh, um, um, chair. 
And uh, so I just started Fertella from there uh, by myself and later on other people joined and um, yeah. Yeah, we've been fans ever since the beginning and I'm proud to say we were the first authorized dealer to ever advertise. Yes, in the am I correct? correct? Yeah. Cool, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right, so let's dive into uh, the viewers. They've been anxiously waiting, listening to us. Um, Wouter Teger on Facebook writes, two Dutch legends. Thank you, sir. Takes one to recognize one. Watch for Rocky on YouTube is asking, RJ, what's your all-time favorite Omega and why? Good question, Rocky. Yeah, uh, super difficult as well. Um, it depends a bit. If I look at uh, uh, primarily the models, I would say it's my uh, it's a it's a tie between my Caliber 321 and the new one because I think it's super well done. Um, and uh, Moonshine Gold version, uh, Apollo 11. I think I love the Speedy Tuesday one. I love the Speedy Tuesday two, and they really have a, a place in my heart because I was involved and I could not be more proud. Um, but. Um, if I look primarily at the primarily at the watches, I would say the Moonshine is um, an awesome, an awesome watch um, because it's so close to the original. It respects the original, yet it has a lot of modern technologies. It has a lot of things that Omega stands for today. So I really love that watch, and um, I have a. I always, yeah, exactly. I always try to uh, to get the number thirteen if we are speaking uh, limited editions. And only later on, I learned that from the original 69 gold model, that uh, astronaut Tom Stafford also had number 13. And he's my favorite Apollo astronaut. So that was a nice coincidence. And why 13? Well, the, the my birthday is on the 13th. So that's very easy. Yeah. But um, my it, later on, only later on, when I started to collect number 13s, my daughter was born in 2013. So she's very lucky as well. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Right, I hope that answers the question, Rocky. Another one from Rocky. Off the record, how many Tintins are made exactly? I know the number, but I can't share. Okay, Rocky, you need to... Uh... I know it uh, more or less a bit by accident, so I can't share this. Uh, but it's. Uh, I see some predictions on, uh, on, the, uh, on the omegaforums.net, and it's very close. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Jan Binnendijk on Facebook asks, nice that they mentioned Teun van Heerenbeek as well. I've worked with him on the Pilot One project and I've bought his book. Yeah, yeah but that, that project was a bit before my time that I met Teun. Uh, I met Teun a few years ago and he started to do his, his uh, comics on uh, Fratello and that really took off for him. So he has a very nice running uh, little business there with his uh, comics. But I also saw that it's time to do something else, and he didn't aspire to to write, basically only to draw. So uh, we we parted, but in a good way. And um, I think he does a really really magnificent job in his uh, in his uh, drawings and in comics. I have you the uh, in-house comic right for Fratello, basically. Yeah, yeah. You get I guys have, no podium. I have his book as well, and he uh, he had a good podium on Fratello, and he, he makes a nice business, and um, he's a really nice guy. He's very decent. He's very uh, uh, genuine, and um, yeah, all the best of luck with his uh, endeavors. I think he has some nice ideas for the future as well. So yeah. keep an and eye. And he has on. stickers, by the way. I uh, I stuck them on my uh, MacBook. So yeah, I have them on my MacBook okay. on my uh, trusty uh, Rimowa suitcases, and yeah. Uh, yeah, super nice guy. Yeah, they're fun. Thank you. Ah, sure, our buddy, our G-Shock buddy, go yeah. to Japan. My next trip has been canceled two times. I'm sad to hear, Shorsh, 
We love you. He's the king of G-Shock, guys. Yes. His blog is called 50 G's, if I'm not mistaken. This guy is legendary. Yeah. And his ears are good as well. And we did a really nice interview with him on Fortello many years ago about G-Shock. Okay, cool. Make yeah. sure to check that out. What should yeah. they Google on, Shorsh? Or Shorsh or G-Shock, you'll find him. Yeah. Okay, cool. Another Watch 4 crew member, Melvin, he's asking on YouTube, obviously the Speedmaster is an iconic timepiece. What do you personally think is the best strap slash bracelet material for such an iconic piece? Steel, gold, leather, NATO, or dot, 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 and why? He misses a very important one when it comes to Speedmasters, and that's a Velcro strap. I get not I get NATO straps, but I really want to. I, I don't I don't wear NATO straps myself. I have to admit uh, because I just don't like how they sit on my wrist. But uh, if you go that way, I think Velcro is uh, the only way because it's uh, very much uh, NATO of uh, NASA like. Um, but I like the stainless steel bracelets and especially of this one. Uh, it's such an amazing job. Again, it's beautiful and. Um, I just I don't like the current Speedmaster Professional uh, bracelet that much with the polished uh, two little links uh, in there. It's a comfortable bracelet. The quality is good, like the poster uh, behind you, uh, Alon. Um, but I just don't see it that much fit to the to the Speedmaster. I like the older ones, but I also have to say I really like the new ones. I also really really like the one that's on the Moonshine Gold one. It tapers to 14 millimeters, which is really uh, small, but it it just it's awesome. It's really awesome. Yeah. I don't want to sound like a douchebag and a salesperson because this interview is not about that. We're two watch freaks just talking. But that's why I have multiple Speedmasters. I, I don't like the hassle of changing straps all the time. So I put different ones. That's, in a, very, that's a very expensive that's right there. I have leather straps, steel brace. It depends on the temperature, climate, etc. Um, I think it's very subjective. And that's the beauty. And Amiga jumped on the bandwagon by actually offering a customization tool on their website so you can yeah. see the watch head on the different straps. So I think that's amazing. Yeah, and I think it was very clever from them, I think starting in 2014, to add a NATO and a Velcro or Velcro to the to the standard yeah. watch uh, package. So if you buy the Moonwatch box, you get a gigantic box. There's always two extra straps in there, yeah. a NATO strap and a Velcro strap. Exactly. Very that's clever move. Very nice. Oh, Bart Tans, a friend from Belgium. Hello, Bart. Thank you for joining us. Great interview, guys. Nice to see you again. He writes on Facebook. Thank Bart, you. Uh, Bart is a great guy. He, uh, I know. I, I think I ever I sold the Speedmaster to him at some point. I had, a, I think, a Mark II or Mark IV, and I sold it to him. And um, he also attended a few of our Speedy Tuesday get-togethers. Super nice guy, collector. And he Belgium. has three, two, ones and Lemanias in different watches than Omegas. Yeah, he collects. He has a nice collection. Yeah, check him out. Shorsh writes, thank you, guys. Then we have our friend Olaf Luchten writes on Facebook. Good break and nice to listen to during work. Thanks, guys. I prefer leather. Of yeah, we know you have a leather fetish. <laughs> <laughs> Olaf is the D-strap, guys. Google him. Dutch handmade straps. He makes not only leather, guys. He also makes old mill bags. Um, you can bring him your Louis Vuitton bag and he'll make a watch strap for you. So nice. we actually made some uh, Ace Limited Edition straps with him. Um, I'm talking faster and faster because we're running out of time. And we have loads of questions. I, I think we need to do a second session, uh, RJ. But um, we got this question 10 times. You answered this already. Yep. 
Another one. These were asked before the show. This is an interesting one. How, how do I, as a young girl with a great interest in watches, get recognized in the business? And this is Yapka. I think you should Google her on uh, Instagram. Seek her on Instagram. I think her handle, if I remember correctly by heart, is Yapka underscore watch girl. Okay. Um, what I, uh, I, I can try to answer this. We have a lady on board, Fratello, um, two actually. One is a bit uh, more uh, um, um, uh, low-key these days, but she's still on. And uh, we have uh, Karina. Uh, Karina is from Poland. And she, besides writing for Fratello, she also runs the Omega Ladies Club, where she uh, she's a huge Omega fan, where she uh, promotes uh, the watches that she likes. And she likes to put uh, girls in the spotlight wearing an Omega. Um, one of my uh, uh, close friends, uh, she was. Uh, she also has a Moonwatch, and she was featured on there as well. Uh, my wife has been on there. Uh, my uh, stepsister recently bought a Omega. She probably will be featured there. So she really likes to put uh, ladies with watches, uh, Omega watches in this case, in the spotlight. The other writer we have on board is uh, Sky Sid. She really made her profession out of uh, watches. Uh, she worked for... Uh, uh, different uh, brands, uh, Linda Berdelin, but also some Richemont uh, uh, brands. Uh, and she has her, uh, her own business in, uh, in independent watches. Yeah. So maybe Yapka, reach out to her. Uh, we love youngsters who love watches. We try to give them a platform, internship, come work with us weekends. And right for us, we also have uh, our Ace online magazine. We have a dedicated Nomos blog, which is minimatical.com. Yapka loves Nomos. So we invited her to be a, a guest writer. So she's working on that right now. Um, if she would loan, if we loan her a Speedmaster, would she be featured, uh, RJ, on your platform? Hundred percent. Own it. Yes. Well, your dad has enough uh, Speedmasters, by the way. She can loan her dad's. She, she will. She will get features. Cool. All right. Awesome. Um, listen, I have. Lo loads yeah, yeah, go on. I, I have time and I know uh, I got some messages uh, from your colleague Dale that uh, we have some time. So, yeah, okay, because we're very practical, we, we don't want to lose viewers. And if we pass the one hour, we can't upload it to Instagram stories, so we need to cut it up. Dale, yep. I'm looking at you. Are we continuing? Dale is saying yes. Okay, we're going. Um, let me see. All right, this is a long one. He calls it a joke question. Okay. This is Mike. It's been almost two months since the 321 in Salem Steel picked you up. Yeah. I think you picked him up, but he picked you up, which is yeah, true. Well. You're infatuated. How has it been wearing you so far? <laughs> You're satisfied with you? And what's, what is its name? Okay. okay. It, it, yeah, so it it, uh, it it doesn't have a name. Uh, if I have to uh, put a name to it, it's uh, Gene Cernan because that was the the piece that Omega used to uh, to uh, to do the tomography of the movement. So although the, the the name of the 10503 is Ed White, I would, I would say it's a Gene Cernan. Um, and I think the three two one really loves me. Since uh, it, it picked me up uh, two months ago in Switzerland, it's really in love with me. Look, it, it touches me. It's in my pockets. It's uh, yeah, it's all over. It's all over exactly. me. It has you in its pocket. Yeah. Now, on a serious note, on a serious note, how does it compare to a vintage T21? 
Um, I have a Finches 321, but it's I don't have a 105003. Yeah. So I can't compare here uh, um, um, side by side. I have a 145012 uh, at home, but um, it's a bit heavier because of the sapphire, of course. Yeah. Um, because of the bracelet. The bracelet is very thin on the new one, but still it's a bit thicker and solid than the old, old one. Right. Um, but as my colleague Mike Stockton always says, uh, the action on the pushers, it's uh, <laughs> its the same. Uh, I mean, the, the pushers are the same. The crown is the same. Um, the, the, um, um, the bezel is uh, ceramic, so not uh, aluminum. So that's a different thing. Uh, it has a sapphire crystal, but it does have the little Omega logo in the center, like the Hasselite crystals. So that's a very nice uh, feature. But um, a lot of people, when I post it, and a lot of people who are not that much into Speedmasters, they say, oh, where did you get the bracelet? It looks like new. Yeah, because it is new. <laughs> so not everyone is uh, that is not so deep into watches is aware that it is a new version, actually. So it really, really comes close in look and feel to the original one, but if you have them both in your hands, you will see that the new one is a little bit heavier, but not by much. Yeah. No, which is good though, gives it more sturdy. Uh... All things are, of course, marginal. It's... Yeah. Two questions. I asked earlier why Ed White nickname. Yeah. Historical question, but please share with the viewers. Yeah. So uh, the Speedmaster 105003 was basically the watch that that NASA received from Omega. Uh, still a lot of, I'm surprised, but still a lot of people think that Omega just went to a local retailer in Houston, asked for some watches. That's of course not the case. It's NASA. They're professional organizations, so they have to do a tender. So they wrote uh, a number of watch brands and only a few responded. And among them was uh, Omega and they sent a 105003. And that watch was uh, tested and qualified by NASA, not certified. That's a different thing. NASA does not certify watches. They qualified the watch for uh, manned uh, uh, space uh, missions. Um, and the 105003 was the one that was qualified uh, only later on. And meanwhile, they start developing the 105012 and 145012, the later references. And they were in the end sent to uh, NASA as well for proper use in space. But the 105003 was also used. And the proof is that Gene Cernan, the last man on the moon, was actually wearing his 105003. So there were three references used at the time to, uh, to uh, on the moon, basically, by these Apollo astronauts. Well, Ed White, um, unfortunately, he uh, died in the accident with Apollo 1, so he never went to the moon. But during his uh, mission in 1965, uh, the Gemini 4 mission, he was the first NASA astronaut to do a spacewalk. And he was wearing two Speedmasters. Uh, 105003 references. Um, so that's basically why it got the nickname Ed White, because he put them out there in, in space. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And 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 that you give me a bridge now to the FOIS, first Omega in space. Yes. I think an undervalued watch. It's yeah. I appreciate it. Um, I have one. Uh, I love it. Big differences besides the hands, no crown guards. Um, linking this story to the 301, 321, and price wise, people ask us, but I'll yeah. let you know so why it's so steep in price. And mm -hmm. I call FOIS the baby Ed White. So have a look at that. Two, 
we have a huge waiting list already for the 321 that you're wearing right now. So the Edward. Um, unfortunately, due to COVID, it got delayed even more. But explain, please, our viewers, why there is such a huge waiting list. It's not a marketing stunt. Caliber 321 has a different atelier, right? A different workshop within Omega. So, so Omega, you have to you have to understand that Omega, as I said earlier, they produce uh, like 700 or 750,000 watches per year. So it's really mass production. Um, they can't do this by hand. So it's it's all industrialized. It's uh, a lot of things are automated, like other big brands uh, do. Um, um, but for this watch, they make an exception. Also, like they do for the Tourbillon watches, they have a special atelier or workshop for Tourbillon watches, and they have this been doing this for a long time. And um, the the Tourbillon workshop, um, I think, next to the Tourbillon workshop, actually, is the Caliber three two one workshop. So they have a special atelier for the Caliber three two one. They get the movement parts uh, in Beal in this workshop. They get uh, watch parts in this atelier in uh, in Beal, and it's one watchmaker. So it's they don't have one watchmaker in the atelier. They have one watchmaker does one watch. So in this atelier are a number of watchmakers, and these watchmakers are responsible for one watch each. So from they, A to B. Yeah. Yeah, so they put together the the, the movement. Uh, they uh, put it in the watch, the the the, the hands, the, the 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 dial, bracelet, and so on and so on. It's all done in this atelier by one watchmaker per watch, and uh, uh, material production usually. So exactly. Okay. Well, normally, it goes. Uh, it's very industrialized. If you if you have never seen it, uh, we did a, a factory rep. You can't really take pictures inside, but we have some some press pictures that they were willing to share. Where you can see that they have this huge like a jukebox where there's uh, uh, parts picking going on, um, and all these parts they they come together and the the watch with all its parts goes from workstation to workstation in the manufacturing. Right? Yes, exactly. Like where where yes, where watchmakers do each they do a few steps per per watch basically. So that's very different from the Tourbillon workshop and the Caliber three two one workshop where watch where one watchmaker really does one watch. There's actually Watchmakers like in the pictures with uh, with screwdrivers and so on uh, responsible for this uh, for this one piece, and mm. I think of course that makes it expensive, but it also makes it taking it a long time to produce uh, a watch like this. Um, and that also explains the price. Uh, it's not a cheap watch. It uh, also uh, yeah hurts me, <laughs> but um, uh, I think it's well worth it. I've seen the the, the workshop. I've been there. Um, I, I saw a little sneak preview in, uh, before its release, and I was really, really impressed. And um, even putting this watch on, it's really something else. It's really a beautiful piece of, uh, of uh, yeah. And putting it in that daylight, I say you have to compare it with the top of the top, and then it's relatively low in price. So it's all relative, in my humble opinion. Yeah. It's, I, think, I think the regular Moon Watch is already very fairly priced. I agree. For the Lemania caliber that you get, the box you get, the extra straps, um, but also yeah. you shouldn't compare these two watches, and that's what you're basically saying, right? Yeah, you see, a lot of people they say, but you have the first Omega in space that you just uh, pointed out that has a different. I didn't see the price, but I think it's uh, below five thousand euros between. Uh, 4, euros less. I, I believe it's four thousand six hundred, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, exactly. This one is four thousand seven hundred in Europe. Yeah. So the the first Omega in space is, uh, I think, it's a super bargain, but. Yeah. 
um, often people compare the first Omega and Space to the new Caliber 321, but yeah, the production process is, is really, really different. It's it's a different watch, it's a different movement, um, it's a totally different thing. Um, I think you have to compare the Caliber 321 with watches from brands that use similar movements or similar ways of producing watches, like a Blancpain or perhaps even a Breguet and uh, or a glass suite original i mean it's very very much uh watchmaking that's going on here i would say so yeah okay interesting yeah and sometimes right. very difficult to explain because it's oh it's very old movement and you you pay uh 13,300 euros and the, the movement is not even master chronometer or chronometer certified and so on and so on but i think this watch is aimed for a collector a collector that really appreciates this caliber 321 movement um, that appreciates this way of watchmaking, and if you if you prefer innovative watchmaking with, with with the latest technology, I think the Apollo Eight is more something for you, or the dark side, or any dark side of the moon is some more something for you that has these in-house uh, manufacture uh, movements that are master chronometer certified uh, using ceramics and so on and so on. I think this is just a different type of of, of watch and different different type of product. I totally agree. Yeah. Um... And, and, and I, I guess maybe I don't want to compare because every brand is on its own, but maybe uh, another brand that was struggling with explaining that quality difference is maybe Psycho and Grand Psycho. I know you love that brand. You've been to their manufacturer. Yeah. Yeah. Could you use that metaphor, that parallel? Uh, I don't know. I don't see a lot of Omegas being produced in the Seiko way. I see it more as in the Grand Seiko way, but I also have to say with Grand Seiko, it is a bit more like the caliber 321 and grand seiko um is very very small production you have to understand the production is uh they don't they are not very open about it but it's uh, definitely well below fifty thousand watches per year so it's not that much and um yeah there's watchmakers polishing cases uh, uh by hand there's po hands polishing polishing the hour markers applying all these things by hand onto the dial there's a lot of manual tasks being done by 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 skilled craftsmen at grand seiko and to me it's a totally different topic than omega and speedmasters but to me um i i can't see that i i have one the the the, the, the grand seiko mount iwate the, the with the gmt and the 44 gs style case i just cannot see how they can do it for that price to be honest because if i look at the the finishing of the i'm not talking about the movement because i think that's more in line with with other larger bigger brands out there but if, if i look at the finishing of the dial and the hands and the hour markers it doesn't it it doesn't uh it, it yeah i don't think it's uh, uh worse than uh, than fashion constantin of, or ap so yeah, it's really really macro photography that Bert does of the hands the it's amazing the super razor razor sharp where, where other brands say okay if everything is okay on a 20 centimeter or 30 centimeter distance from the naked eye it's okay for us yeah. but um yeah if you put a grand seiko under a loop or a macro lens it's still razor sharp unbelievable I, how they can do this for that price i also have to say that we now also see grand seiko increasing in price and going more to the jigger le culture level for example and perhaps the bargain is then a bit off, but it's still really a lot of uh, a lot of quality. Uh, by coincidence, yeah. um, not by coincidence, but I uh, always carry a few watches uh, with me. I, I have it here. Yeah, cool. Yeah. 
I've seen it. It's stunning, and and uh, there, there is second to none polishing wise. What I meant though, it's beautifully done. Is Omega, and the three two one yep. is Psycho. I meant that because it's such a broad spectrum in storytelling of brand identity. Yeah, true. How do you explain that difference in quality? Because yeah. another. Only last year, Grand Cycle became a separate brand, right? Yeah, I think uh, earlier on, 2018, perhaps. Yeah, in Europe. Yeah, they, they, so they separated it. And uh, this year, the, the Grand Cycle got a special uh, European uh, headquarters as well, led by uh, Frederic Bondou, very nice guy and uh, formerly a Swatch Group uh, a person. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really good. And I have to say, and I also was very transparent to, to Grand Seiko and Seiko about it in the past, that um, I think they, they should pound themselves a bit more on the chest about yeah. what they do and what they can do. But I also feel that they have to look a bit more on what, uh, what uh, the European customer and the, the American customer wants, because some of their models and, and designs are still very much a bit metallic and perhaps more towards Asian taste than than European or, or American taste. Yeah, I agree. But they so, do a marvelous job, I have to say. I, I respect Grand Seiko a lot, but in the end, it's also a bit of a nerd watch because you only see this, this level of detail and appreciate it when you look at it under a loop and are really much into watches. I think the average Joe sees it, he just reads Seiko and that's yeah. it. And yeah. you really have to do a lot of explaining there. But I think this watch uh, in the future, um, Will be more and more appreciated by uh, wider okay. audience. Yeah. And uh, that that point that you just made is, I think that a lot of people just see Omega Speedmaster, but basically three two one is almost a brand on its own. So that's something you should uh, yeah. take into mind. Um, so long long answer to a joke question by Mike, but Mike also posted a more serious one, where he wrote, it's not only serious but also political in brackets. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about how you collaborate with Omega for the Speedy Tuesday one and two. Yeah, the problems involved, how you how your input was considered and refined into the final production. His answer is that long that um, he wrote here. This is the second part. Would you ever write a full feature length article or magazine about this without breaking your NDA, of course? Well, I, you know what? I, I already wrote this on Fratello somewhere, I think, and I wrote it on Omega forums uh, at some point. Um, but the funny thing is, there's no NDA. We never signed anything. Uh, for such a huge project, actually two projects, we didn't sign a thing. It's a gentleman's agreement. Um, he, uh, uh, Omega trusts us, we trust Omega, and um, I don't want to, to, to... That's why I said I don't want to be the spokesperson of Omega, and because I don't know how political things are because I see more than I can say, than I can say or write. That's for sure. But I also see that with other brands, if there's an embargo, we respect it. Um, and sometimes I treat these things also a bit of a, as an embargo because I don't know if I can say these things, these brands, they have communication departments, they have a uh, PR people involved and they are very cautious in what's being communicated and whatnot. And I don't want to be the person that just says anything of what I see that's going on on in these, in these uh, companies. Um, that said, um, in very short, I, I, I said I, I wrote it in the past, but very short, we were a very serious partner in the whole design process of the Speedy Tuesday 1 and 2. Uh, we saw every step. We were taken uh, by the hand in every step. 
we came with a with a design with a proposal. They respected it. We went uh, back and forth like a bit of ping pong. Um, and in the end, for us, most important was we didn't want to make concessions. We didn't want to have a sapphire crystal because collectors want Hesalite, right? I mean, that's the the, the speedmaster person wants Hesalite. We didn't want a, a, a ceramic bezel because you want the aluminum bezel, right? Um, Omega also chipped in a lot of things, a lot of detail. They have a very, very good uh, product, uh, head of product development, uh, Gregory Kisling. Um, he puts a lot of time and effort into getting the details right. And it was really a joy to work with him because he really respected the heritage of Omega. And if we said, uh, oh, but the, the, the old models, they have this and this feature. And then he, say, uh, he said, I will look into it. And he really took it seriously and came back with these kind of uh, design elements. So it was really a, a close collaboration. And it was not something that we said, oh, yeah, we want to do a watch and Omega few months later they came with a proposal no it was really a joint project yeah amazing that's amazing thing and i think that also says a lot that you didn't sign in yet that's the old school way of doing business in our industry a man is a man a word is a word and a handshake right. is a handshake and exactly. and reynolds still lives by that so that's amazing okay mike i hope you're joking and Serious questions were answered. I'm looking through all the comments. Um, Bart replied, yes, it was a Mark IV. Okay, cool. With papers, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Olaf is happy. Um, ben Hodges yes. says, got this. And he sent another one. Ben writes on YouTube, three, two, one. Best release of 2020, question mark. RJ says enough. Here's my answer. I I'm a Speedmaster collector, so that's I really love it. Um, there's a lot of other watches that are super interesting. Um, I, I like a lot of watches, but this is what I purchased and what I really love. And I think it's one of the best releases. And it also hurt a bit, I have to say. And this I can take this platform a bit uh, from you. I'm an Academy member for the Grand Prix uh, Horlogerie Genève. Um, I cannot uh, nominate a Speedmaster. Why is that? I didn't find it either when I, I, I'm also a member. I couldn't vote. Why? I well, saw I, in there. I, 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 I looked it up in the rules. And um, if you, we had, to nom we had to select watches that we want to be, that we want to have nominated. And now in the second round, you have to vote for the nominees. You have to make this, this voting round. So I selected in the in the in the first round. I select the Speedmaster Caliber three to one, so did uh, I. as iconic chronograph or uh, iconic watch. Um, but I didn't see Omega anywhere. In fact, I didn't see any Swatch Group brand that I could uh, vote on as a nominee a nominated watch. No jacket draw for ladies. I don't think so. And I looked it up on the on the website from the uh, Grand Prix. And it said when a watch is uh, uh, selected, the watch brand needs to pay 500 Swiss francs to be in there. And wh when a watch is nominated, the watch brand needs to pay 5,500 Swiss francs. So only the brands that pay have watches that can be nominated. Yes. So this was uh, officially my last year as an Academy member because I don't believe in this model. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, doesn't make sense to me. I mean, they have, they're... Uh, 
journalist investigation. So thank you for no, sharing. They are very trans I have to say it's also my own fault because they are very transparent about it on their website if you look it up. But I didn't I didn't investigate before. So this is uh, it's a fine way of doing things. And in the end, it's advertising. So if, if a brand wins, they, they spend a bit of money and they get a lot of, of buzz and hype. And uh, But it's also like in the design world, all these prizes are paid for by the same industry. And that's something I don't really believe in. And no. I didn't find the watches that I found interesting this year that I could, could nominate. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pity, but I, I guess in the end it works like this, but that. But in the end, it's it's a, it's a, it's an advertisement. It's advertising game, and um, I rather have them advertise with Fortello than with uh, with them. <laughs> but when people advertise and you write an advertorial, you list that it's advertorial. Don't it's clearly it's clearly marked marked as advertorial, and uh, a brand never has a say in any editorial article that we publish. Never. All right, and they can be angry with us, and then that's fine. But uh, in the end, they also respect it because uh, authenticity is really, really important. I agree. I agree. Um, on that topic, we've discussed retail for many years. Um, retailers need to become media companies. Media companies are becoming retailers. Everything is converging. Mm -hmm. You guys held out a long time. The speedy watches were never sold through you guys. Nope. You didn't want that? Nope. Um, I think you guys are the last to join the dance, the ball. What made you decide to start selling watches, uh, RJ? It's uh, easy. I, um, um, I I like your business. I like what, what you do, a uh, retailer, having a shop, selling things. It, but it's very new to me, so I, I have to learn. I'm, I'm learning at this moment uh, why, we'll do so, why we do so. Uh, I also believe it's not. Um, it doesn't really need has to conflict. We are picking the watches that we want to sell that we think fits our reader and fit us. We really uh, select the watches carefully that we want to have in our uh, in our uh, ecom uh, shop. That also explains why we, we take it slow and we only have a few things. More will follow later on. Okay. Uh, and it, on the other hand, I also want to be transparent about this. It is also. A way of making business we have to make a living hmm. advertising money is interesting but uh, it's also a very expensive operation that we run yeah. and um i think for us it's also a way to monetize and um but we want to monetize in a decent way by offering watches that are close to to what we like and what who we are hmm. and uh, watches that we would basically wear ourselves or are wearing ourselves and uh, if we keep that in mind i think it's it's uh, it's it's very properly done and um yeah i don't see and we keep it uh, separated so um we have a little organization as i said fortello is becoming a business and we have a guy called daniel muller he's in charge of everything operation so we also keep it a bit divided he doesn't butt in with our content and i don't butt in with him uh, uh with his operational stuff I, I guess that's the biggest um fear for journalists to become that the only people who question me about these things, if it's all still uh, relevant and so on and so on, are journalists. On the other yeah. hand, it's the same journalists that, that question us that are jury members and academy members of this Grand Prix. So 
in the end, you have to make money. You have to pay your for your groceries. And I think you just have to make sure that it's in a decent way and that it's uh, it shows integrity. And for yeah. me, it's super important to show that integrity. Yeah. And um, you guys started first with uh, pre-owned speedies, which was a natural fit that weren't on the market anymore. Yeah. Then you guys made limited editions. Makes sense because you add value. Mm -hmm. You did the Freddy Constant one, which was cool. Yeah. Um, help me out here. You did. You guys did a Marvin watch back in the day. I remember. Yeah. Oh, first watch together was a Marvin watch, but it was many, many years ago. I remember that. But we started with uh, with uh, this Frederic Constant actually, and uh, it's a very cool watch. It's a uh, what what attracted me. I was enthusiastic from the moment they proposed it. Uh, I like the dial color a lot, uh, and I like the I like a moon face. That for me is a super super nice. Besides uh, chronograph. A moon face is a very emotional complication for me. It's completely useless, but I really love the moon. And I love watching the moon uh, at, at, in the evening or in the uh, at night um, when I'm when my daughter is uh, still up in the evening and uh, she gets all excited about because when she sees the moon, it's something that is like mind blowing that you can see this other thing in the sky. Um, so a moon face is for me a, a super interesting complication. And I just like the looks of the watch. I like the people from Frédéric Constant a lot. Um, and I think the price is really spot on. I think the price is really good for a manufacturer watch. It's, but also it's a niche watch. It's a niche thing. Um, it's for us, it was a bit of a pilot. We tried with uh, Frédéric Constant. Then we came with the pre-owned Speedmasters. Um, I think we have one left, which is the uh, Gemini 4, the blue one. Uh, super nice. Uh, it's quite hefty on the price, but it's really new, old stock. It's an amazing watch, and I don't... You guys own it, or is it commissioned? No, we we purchase everything. We don't do commission. Yeah. Yeah, so you really are a retailer. By yeah. the way, I want to say two things about the Frederick Constant one. One, I think Niels Echeding is also an amazing watch CEO, not because he's Dutch, but I it think helps. he's a down-to-earth guy, stand-up guy, does a great job. So... Yeah. Shout out to him. And two, I totally do not agree with you that moon phases are irrelevant or nonsense because those people that have a religion that follows a lunar cycle, it's very relevant for them. Oh, of course. But it's 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 for me as a as a wearer, as a person, it's it's yeah. not really relevant. But it makes you a super role model that. That's true. Inspires your daughter. Um, and yeah, we have uh, Hamilton in the shop because, uh, uh, well, Rob Nuts is really in love with uh, with uh, the the Murph, uh, Balash, uh, Mike, and myself really love the Intramatic Chrono. It's, yeah. I think it's really uh, a, jo a job uh, well done by Hamilton. It's a very very sympathetic uh, group of people there as well. And Rado is the an amazing guy who went to Tissot. Yeah. And Rado is also interesting because in the past I only knew Rado from their ceramic watches that were worn by, uh, by uh, well, a lot of uh, German tourists that we had in our little village uh, back in the day. Um, so that was my 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 connection with Rado, and that changed immediately when they came with the Captain Cook. And of course, I knew the Di the Dia Star, which I really like, but the Captain Cook changed the image for me for for Rado. So I really wanted to have that that Captain Cook in the shop, which I really adore. It's a super yeah. nice watch. We picked a green one because I like the, the green. Um, and the other one is also interesting. The Golden Horse was selected by Mike Stockton. He wrote a, a lengthy article about it, how cool that watch was. And then I got one for uh, for review as well. 
And we said, put it on the, the Beds of Rice uh, bracelet. And I, it's a super, super nice watch. And we had them here in the office. We had a stack of watches. And when people came in, came in the first watch that they took from the table was oh. this one with the red dial and the Beds of Rice bracelet. It's a super nice watch. Funny. Yeah. It's and also did a great job and they, they had some uh, internal uh, musical chairs going on so they switched positions yeah but, uh, now Rado CEO that was uh, that I spoke to back then is now uh, Longjin yeah yeah and uh, so yeah so it's a super cool watch and normally it does it comes only with this leather strap but we said uh, come on Rado we want to have the stainless steel bracelet and we offer it for the for the same price so um, yeah cool it's amazing uh, I mean we will, we will have more brands, more brands that we like and that we know our audience likes. And we will have a limited edition with a brand uh, this year. Uh, something super, super nice in November. Cool. Yeah. And RJ, do you want to um, do some polling and uh, some market research and ask uh, our viewers uh, what they think that if we would uh, collaborate more? Sure. Go ahead. Um, so RJ and I, uh, anyways, we're friends and we talk and when they did e-com, we don't see them as competitors. We were super happy and I actually pushed you a bit to do it, right? I'm like, dude, you're the last man standing. You're last of the Mohicans, but, um, I think it, it does add value. And I, I believe you guys have, uh, super integrity. So you will s split journalism with, uh, commerce. And I think you guys actually did it on the website with a top level URL as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we, we brainstorm anyways about the industry and about uh, commerce and watch brands and everything. And uh, we're looking for ways also to work more together. And um, we were thinking of, uh, and I'm talking out loud, guys, and please send your comments if you would like that. So I offered RJ, if he still has his Frederick Constant, make a little pop-up store at Ace, a Fratello pop-up store help out a friend people want to see it physically right because i i believe in ecom i think we were the first in the world to do iwc and many other brands back in 2007 so i'm a total believer of ecom but i believe in omnichannel so uh, i still do believe that we need to touch products i don't know if you saw the interview with uh, julian tona of zenit so, no i didn't have time for that but i will watch it. i can i can watch it back i i see and uh, i told him that i after being well born in this industry I got fooled by product photos of their shadow revival launch mm -hmm. when I thought on the photography it was so dark that the microblasted titanium was DLC coded. So when we got the product, I saw yeah. it was their great titanium. And even I got fooled by pictures, yeah. me, with, yeah. with, with that knowledge. So I knew oh, okay. holding it. There's definitely space to uh, to, and it's also for me that I really at some point I want to have like this this physical location. Uh, yeah. Because I think it's important that if you want to see it in the flesh, you should be able to do so. And whether that's a, a, at a pop up at Ace or another location, I think in the end you want to try the watch, you want to feel the watch, and if you don't have a click with it or you don't bond with the watch, then that's also your answer. You should not buy it, but it could also be a, a confirmation of what you already thought, that it's your watch, basically. And yeah. so we really believe in this synergy between online and offline. Um, yeah, yeah so. so that's something we've been brainstorming, guys. And actually, when we both do something, we do it for our fellow watch lovers. 
for the consumers. Uh, in the end, we do it for you guys. So we're very curious, should we do it? Uh, we've been talking, brainstorming, should we take brand XYZ and do an event in-store together? Or should we even start retailing together? Um, hey, that's old. <laughs> so Dal is... Uh, hey, it's, it's this watch. Time machine. Yeah, that's when you bought... That's proof that he bought the... We actually bought the same G-Shock. Yes. At a pop-up event that we did with a sneaker store. So um, I don't know what year this was, but... Um, well, it's a, it was the 30th, 2013, I think, right? So six, seven years, seven years ago, yeah. They did the 35th anniversary last year, I think. So, yeah. yeah. So, here's yours. So, we love to think out of the box at ACE. Uh, we don't think things are set in stone. Things are changing. Um, so, we would love to hear, and you can answer here, or you can leave comments on YouTube, Facebook, send us a message. Should we do more? And if so, what would you want us to do more? So, that's a question I have for our viewers. Um we're running past 90 minutes already. Wow. We, I think we are still having, uh, Bart is asking for a scoop. Yeah, November is the scoop. Yeah, so stay tuned, uh, Bart. It, it will be very, very nice. Awesome. All Thank right. you. Listen, um, RJ, I'm getting thirsty. Yeah, me too. We should do another session. Yes. Um, I had real, real fun. We broke a record here on the Ace List Live. I want to thank you very, very, very much. I uh, had fun, like always, when we speak. Um, the next episode is coming Monday at 1 p.m. What do you listen now then? Very cool. Um, I want to hear about the blast. What did you think of the blast? Did you see it? We were at the Geneva Watch Days uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, it was a super nice uh, setting. They used their own boutique, which I think brands should use their boutique more often for, to receive press, uh, do previews, do, do things. And um, Ulysse Nade is not my brand. I'm, I'm super honest here. But uh, I really like their diving watches. Mm -hmm. Those are very cool. cool. Yeah. The black and yellow one was uh, very proper. I don't think it's a new. I don't know if it's a new one or from last year. But I really like their diving watches. But uh, they have a nice history as well um, yeah. with Uxelin and uh, they, uh, one of our team members, uh, Gerard, he has yeah. this perpetual calendar. And I think it was one of the first, or perhaps it was the first perpetual calendar where you could, could go back and forth in the calendar settings. Does he have the Ludwig? I think it is, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think so. You know, it's amazing. And, um, I, you know, I'm wearing the Freak X. Have you had that on your wrist already? I think I had uh, during a press uh, press no, meeting. No, I mean for a week or something. No, 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 never had. No, that's the next one. I'm loaning you. You got you got to experience that. But I think they go very contemporary. So I call them baby Urwerk, baby MBNFs, mm -hmm. whereas they can go entry level, nice diving watches. But okay, that's Monday. So tune in, um, RJ. Thank you so much. We thank you. I hope to touch more brands, but um, next time we committed for a second session. Next time. Uh, Thank you so much. Send my regards to Fleur and Charlotte. I will. You and, do the same. Uh, and um, I wish you a lot of strength with my colleague, Rob Nuts. <laughs> I, we know him for quite some years, and I actually love that guy. I love his energy. He's and very that, good. That, that promises. Uh, so so he's the managing editor. He's not today. Sorry? So you, he's the managing editor. Does he he's manage 
now or are you managing him? Yeah, he seems to be managing everyone. And uh, he is the managing editor since January 1st. Yeah. And uh, he does an amazing job. He's really good. And uh, he's a watchmaker, by the way, nobody knows that, but he's an actual watchmaker. Yeah, he's a watchmaker by trade, actually. And he worked for a couple of watch brands and groups. And uh, um, yeah, he did, he did a lot of stuff for various brands. And uh, he lives in uh, Dresden. So very yeah. close to the German heart of watchmaking. Yeah, he, he took care Don't of us. Picture, his picture. He actually got us. Uh, our first Nomos Ace Limited, so uh, he has a special place in my heart. So oh, very good. Very bad good. word about him. So mark that date in your diaries, the first of October, easy to remember. And I Rob and I share a lordship. Pardon? Rob and I share a lordship. Ask him really? about. It. Okay, I will. All right, I'll mark that down. Thank you so much. Thank you, and uh, I wish you all the best with your upcoming uh, sessions. It was it was a lot of fun. I'm happy that I prepared. So next time I should prepare also. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next time. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. Over there. And thanks for the questions to all viewers. Thank you indeed. Thank you all for your passionate uh, interaction with us. It's a joy. Oh, we have, by the way, I see our buddy Geert is watching, which is RJ's colleague. He's writing on Facebook. It's not the Ludwig. He has the perpetual G. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Right, yes. And Ruben is writing nice background. This is our this is an ace alumnus. So I have a feeling he was there when we shot that watch at the Ace Photo Studio. Thank you, Ruben, for watching. All right, now we're really gonna end the broadcast. Yes. Take care, buddy. Ciao. Thank you. And you. Bye bye. Ciao.